welcome to the heavy hole. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. I'm Justin. How you doing? Popping nice. cans on you. What's going on? I approve this message. Yeah, thanks for offering me a beverage, guys. Come on, I'm Big Will, aka Where's Your Beverage? Would you like a um, uh, what was it? A non-alcoholic beer? No, no but I, I, li- I, I brought a water. I'm being facetious, but I like that you're keeping it dry this evening. Uh, yeah, I, I had a wet weekend, so <laughs> soaking. Sa- that's right. Listen, take a towel and dry off that segue there, because you got a little wild doing tricks in the in the water with it. Ray. What, what <laughs> happened this weekend? Uh, I was in Savannah, Georgia. Oh boy, okay. I, I went there. Dirty South, you know. ATL. Not, no wait, no, not ATL. Same state. I would call this the cleanest of the southern cities I've been to. Yikes! Con- controversial statement. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, not let's to say not I mention have... the other cities you've been to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the caveat here. Okay. I can talk freely now. Okay. No, Savannah's great. Me and Gab went down there for four day weekend. I love going to Savannah. You know, one thing I notice about when you go to these cities where there's hipsters is that the hipster breed that is in other cities beyond Brooklyn are not like the Brooklyn hipsters. Hmm. They're they seem a little more genuine. Like okay. they actually have to work. It's not just their parents giving them oh money to be hipsters. Oh, you know? Interesting. I uh, I try to avoid. I see what like what constitutes a hipster because at this point anybody like under thirty five seems like a hipster to me. Yeah, I, I don't even like I get called a hipster. I, I thought you guys like, were hipsters up until we started this conversation just yeah, now. I just I'm, like tight pants. I don't, that's I don't what I mean. Like tight <laughs> pants usually just means hipster to me because at this point <laughs> I don't know what that word means. It's like it's like OSDM. Like right. it's all it's just a word. It's like what it's all death metal. It's all hipsters. It's so vague yeah. that it, it doesn't matter. Okay. You're, so people work harder in other cities. I just see them doing a lot of uh, cool business ideas that don't okay. seem to be um, boutique Nike shops How many uh, glorified Etsy stores. How many cat cafes? Uh, I didn't see any cat cafes. Huh. Well, there you <laughs> go. That's a good gauge. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of cool places. One, one place I got a shout out on the podcast, very appropriate, is Graveface Records. Mm. Uh, I bought a lot of records there. Yeah. What'd you buy? Love it. Make more later. I actually, uh, what I got? I got a, a Coroner record, No More Color. Mm-hmm. I think I got that. Uh, True. An Autopsy record. Nice. Um, Love an Autopsy. What did I do? Oh, the new Dark Throne. Okay. Old Star. Okay. Something something old, something new. Yes. I got a few. I'm, I'm actually blanking right now, and I don't have them in front of me because I shipped them from there. Enough about you. Oh, What's in it for me? What'd you get from me? I got you. Oh wait, you actually got me something. <laughs> I got you the Dying Truth by mm-hmm. Cyanide, the uh, Archetype Medal of Death album. You absolutely die. Yeah, the, wow. Just the listeners were doing a little. This is what radio stars like us do. We <laughs> put on an act. I knew way before the, the the show was recording that he bought me that album. Thank you, Tom. That was very nice of you. Of course, I was going through yeah. the selection over there, and I saw that, and I was like, well. I know Will loves this album, but does he have it on vinyl? I, of course, own the original Grindcore Records uh, produced CD, um, just to flex on everybody in case somebody was unsure of that. But this new, this vinyl is going to be a flexible addition to my collection. Thank yes, you, sir. Yes, exactly. I love this totally genuine spur of the moment moment right now. Totally <laughs> this. this is great. Uh, one other thing I wanted to throw in about my time in Savannah mm. quickly is that I experienced a haunting. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, yeah! You said you were going to tell us about this. Yeah, wow. ghosts, Tom. So Go Savannah on. is considered one of the most haunted cities in America. Really? And I am a fairly skeptical person. I don't really buy into a lot of the stuff. Okay. But I, I think something changed my mind. We were taking a tour of the Sorel Weed House, 
a house that was bought by this historical society in 1950. It's they, one of the... Um, they sold weed out of there. They did. Yeah. It's one of the oldest mansions in Savannah. It's huge. We were doing a tour of the house. Um, uh, I was on the bottom floor, and I got a text that came in, and I was reading it real quick because the tour guide was kind of just rehashing some stuff, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, I already got this. Interesting. I was enjoying the tour. But as we're walking upstairs to go from the basement, I heard music. I, I think I heard Beethoven's Fur Elise, but not played well. Wow. But it was on a piano. Okay. And I didn't think much of it because there was another tour group upstairs. You can hear them clanking. Um, was there a piano around? Was There was. Okay. But at the end of the tour, Gabriella asked the tour guide who played piano because there was a piano there and it was out of order. There was no way this thing was played. It was behind some ropes, not velvet ropes, but it was roped off. Allegedly. Yeah. I, When Gabby asked that, I said, was someone playing it before? And she said, no, that's that didn't happen. There's and everyone no else in the tour group, no one heard it except me. But I heard it clear as day. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, uh, so an auditory haunting. Yeah. Haunting of the years. Very well. strange. And sure. one of the guys who was on the tour with us, when he heard me say that afterwards, he was like, um, I've dated two mediums, and they both say that hauntings in these kinds of places tend to target one person. That's me, I guess. <laughs> you got you know, target, you I got, I got target, target moshed. Mo- target moshed at the <laughs> Were you vaping? No. I was stone sober. Sir. Okay. That's the only explanation that, I had in my mind right now. That is um, it. That's interesting, man. I wonder what the significance... Is there a significance of that, that song to you? Actually, there was a little Playmobil set, I remember, that my family had, and the little electronic piano, you'd hit it, and that was the song. Get the fuck played. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, I'm not going to eat any up, eat up any more time with that, but I experienced something interesting. Thought oh I'd share that God. with you guys. Um, I also want to hear about the guy who's dated two mediums, too. I wish there was more. But that's all I got on yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to wonder how... Yeah, that, you know, I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. How do you end up with the second one? Yeah, I did not. They're learn. honing in on him. There's something about him. They Couldn't stop what, looking at his sandals. Twist, that guy is dead. That guy was the ghost. He, oh. That's why he's dating mediums. That's the only explanation for the guy dating two mediums. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess he could have been practicing piano a little bit more. Listen, I'll take, I, I'll, take, I'll take a girl medium, extra large, large. <laughs> don't bother me, all right? I don't discriminate. Well, how was your weekend real quick? I got busy. Um, we had a little Pyrexia rehearsal Saturday night. And uh, actually, uh, I'm going to spill some beans right now. Uh, I heard music this weekend too, Tom, but everyone in the room heard it as well. And it was played uh, by by all living people. Um, I've, I've talked about a mystery. There was a mystery to it, and I'm going to unveil the mystery. I solved the mystery, all right? Unlike you still got Scooby-Doo and the crew running around out there. I'm, I, I'm leaving it unsolved. I figured it out. I'm on the edge of my seat right now. This band uh, from New Jersey uh, and Long Island and Staten Island, it's, a, it's a, a super group, the Temple of the Dog of Death Metal, if oh, you will. Hungry. Um, members of Artificial Brain, Unearthly Trance, Gray Skies Fallen, Afterbirth, Thetis, and so on. Uh, we got a band going called Reeking Aura, and we recorded our uh, debut three-song EP with Colin Marston this past weekend. Signed, sealed, delivered. It's 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 a done deal. All Colin's, it's in Colin's hands now. Mm. We did our part. Okay? He does good work. Yeah, I, we in, in his capable hands. We trust that yeah, man. Nice hands. Um, so that that's gonna be we're we're gonna be divulging that soon to the public. But that's that's like the first official leak right there of information. Okay. Um, and I might not make it home tonight. Big Rick might be out there waiting for me f- just for saying that much. So I'm going to leave it at that, okay? Um, he does know where I live. <laughs> but yeah, I had, a, I had a busy weekend. For tonight's guest, I had to spend the last two days uh, listening to music and doing research. Uh, uh, 
prolific uh, amount of music, but I don't want to cut off Mr. Justin over here. How was your weekend, sir? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> no doubt. I'm, gl- I'm glad you're doing all right over there. Everything okay? Yeah, it's great. You, you eat three squares a day? Yeah, Saturday, more or Sunday? Less. Yeah, more or less. Good weekend. I like this guy. He's a growing boy. Um, another growing boy in the field of metal, in the culture and community of Quebec heavy metal. Uh, our guest tonight is the prolific guitarist based out of Canada, Phil Tugas. And we're going to get him on the line to talk about all of his different bands that he's been involved in uh, throughout the years. Awesome. Very psyched for this. Phil. Well, get him on Skype. Yeah. Justin, we got to talk. How you doing, Phil? Uh, I'm pretty good. Just uh, relaxing. Took uh, an entire day to uh, record some tracks at home. So uh, three, well, just four of us in total. Am I correct? All, yeah. Yep, four of us cool. here on the line. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, um, uh, three of us who are co-hosts here on the podcast. Uh, and you, and right off, right off the bat, Phil, um, just, just for clarity, uh, I pronounced your last name Tugas, or is that incorrect? Uh, it's technically correct. If you were to pronounce it with the Quebec accent, it would be to go. To go. But, okay. uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose that's uh, accurate enough. Okay, I just want to make sure that I'm not uh, mispronouncing it uh, through the interview. Hit it with the accent, Will. Oh, no, it's totally <laughs> fine. Totally, it's totally fine. <laughs> okay, out of respect. Um, and we, you know, uh, as you said, you, um, you've been you've been uh, recording um, and working on music the whole day. We want to be respectful of your time, as we always say on the podcast. Uh, and we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. So, if you're ready, we just uh, we're going to jump in with some questions, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, awesome. Uh, well, it's it's great to finally, uh, I guess, meet you over the phone, Phil. Um, you and I have kind of contacted here and there uh, in in the past, um, mainly because. Uh, there was that BioLich uh, Facebook page that you had started. And I think that was the first time you and I corresponded when I took it over. Yeah, that's very true. I heard BioLich uh, because uh, back then the SMN News forum was very active. A lot of people were posting about obscure bands from the US and Europe. I happened to stumble on BioLich. I, I thought the band was very unique because uh, the demos were pure demolish worship, but as the time went on, the band started to develop a more eclectic sound, uh, which culminated with the uh, EP, which I don't uh, I don't remember the year it was released, but that was uh, I think a very good mix of influences and a very interesting release. I was a, a big fan of the band, so I figured you know I'm gonna start a Facebook page because no one is talking about that band. I did that with uh, I did that with some other bands too, but. Uh, I think uh, Biolich was one of the first bands I did a page for. But yeah, this I remember um, giving you the page because, you know, I didn't really have time to moderate a series of 
Facebook pages, so and you're in the band, you should be the one <laughs> taking care of the page, you know. So I mean, yeah, but yeah, I, I, when was that? That was like five years ago. Six, yeah, it was. It was ago. a while ago because I looked on my like Facebook Messenger, and that was the last time we had exchanged. And I was like, holy shit, because I've been listening to so much of your music, as I said, through the last few years. And if I'm not mistaken, you actually met my bandmates in Artificial Brain uh, when they came to Canada, right? Yeah, we played with them. We played a show uh, with Artificial Brain in 2017. You were not there. It was Polo. Polo. Uh, yes. Is, that's how you say his name, right? Polo, pa- yeah. Polo, yeah. He, I, I he believe, yeah, I believe in his country it's uh, it's Paolo but, uh, or, or Paolo. but yeah, Paolo. In Long Island, New York, we pronounce everything uh, a little bit a little bit different. Yeah, it's so. Paolo. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually... That's actually the, the reason why I discovered Biolich was because of him. Okay, okay, I have, to, I have yeah, him to the, blame. Yes, he, he was the one on, on the forum I mentioned uh, earlier uh, posting about that band. So that's through him I discovered this band. And he did a really funny thing on stage. He uh, took the microphone and bashed his uh, head with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like he was bleeding. That was, that was great. That was fantastic. I love that. Yeah, that's that's Polo. For you. Yeah, that's that, that's that color. Yeah, I I couldn't. Uh, I I had some legal trouble that I couldn't make it over the border, but I'm working on um, being able to come to Canada. But I don't want to talk t- uh, too much Allegedly. about my bands and my projects. I didn't mean to segue into all that. I was just making the point that um, you and I have had some connections and some friends in common in the past, but this is the first time we get to talk. Uh, so I was very excited for this interview in particular. And something I always ask our guests is are, if they are from a particularly musical family uh, and background. But anyone who's familiar with you and your work should already know that you kind of come from a family that's like steeped in Quebec heavy metal history. Um, your father and your two uncles being the core of the group DDT, right? Yep. They were pretty much, I think it's safe to say they were the first heavy metal band from Quebec. They started before everyone else, you know. They, they heard uh, they heard what was going on in Europe. They, they heard uh, Judas Priest and all these bands from England and Germany. It's like, hey, we can do that too, you know. So yeah, I guess I, I grew up in a family of metal musicians. My mom was a musician too. Uh, people on my mother's side were also classical musicians, jazz musicians, but I mostly am from a heavy metal family. Wow. Um, and so how is, is music, um, like second nature? Is it just taught at home by family members or are you early on enrolled in formal music training? To tell you the truth, uh, the truth, um, I first became, uh, actually the first instrument I wanted to learn was drums, but it was not something we could afford. Uh, I learned guitar, started learning guitar. I took courses. uh, The first year, I was completely not interested by it. I I took lessons, and it was just, you know, I was was like 10 years old, and it was just... I started off with a classical guitar we bought for like $100, and I had an excellent teacher. He... uh, taught me all the basics but the first year was very difficult I was not interested at all and it just uh, my interest for music came as time went on you know I discovered punk music and 
from this point that was when I when I switched to electric guitar that was like when I really took interest in the instrument for real fast forward a few years later I discovered heavy metal and that's when it became more than it went from being something I disliked from uh, to a pastime to something I wanted to do with for the rest of my life and that's because of the music I was listening to um, taking had I taken a for, uh, like a classical training or, or whatnot it probably would have um, how to say uh, ruined my interests in the instrument further because I was more interested in uh, pushing the boundaries rather than being subjected to uh, a specific uh, a template or uh, specific teachings. My, my teacher, after a few years, he saw what I was going for and he completely changed his, uh, his way to teach me my instrument. He, he taught me instead to, uh, how to develop my own voice and, and go uh, towards specific interests, specific uh, techniques that even he could not teach but encouraged me to do so. So in a way, I am. I've had courses, but I am mostly self-taught when it comes to uh, songwriting, techniques, um, tone. So it's a mix of both, really. So how long did you have a teacher then? I think I've uh, around seven years. Uh, the first seven years, he taught me. Uh, for the first four, he taught me the basics, and the following three years, it was uh, other things. It was like various not necessarily techniques. related. Well, not necessarily techniques, but uh, you know, just as an example, in 2008, when uh, we uh, my my first band, First Fragment, we, we recorded our seven-song demo. He was the one who recorded the songs. He taught me a few things about recording, and also we were using, we were not, we were not using like DIY boxes or reamping. We were straight up doing it with the, with amp, mic, and everything. So he taught me some of that too. My father is a sound man. Obviously, he is the perfect teacher when it comes to that. But he taught me a lot of things, more than uh, just the techniques and how to play guitar. Right on. Uh, yeah, I noticed from first fragment, um, it says, uh, well, g giving the dates uh, it was composed, it, you were probably, what, around 13 or 14 when you began composing music that would end up on the first fragment album, the first one? I was actually 15 when uh, I met Gabriel. Mm -hmm. uh, he was eight years older than me. And uh, when that was in 2007, at that time, I was not interested in doing death metal. I was. Uh, fully into neoclassical metal, power metal, and I wanted to do this something like this. But where I come from, you know, in Quebec, there's a big, big death metal scene. Yeah, there's a big power metal scene in Quebec City that was much a big, much bigger one at that time. Uh, I mean, but in my town, there was not much of that. So I figured, you know, I'm, I need to make a compromise here. I want to make a, a serious band, not a cover band like I did in my previous years, like a serious band. And then I met this guy. He says, you know, I'm doing death metal, but I want neoclassical influenced guitar solos. It's like, okay, well, this, could, this this should work. 
he already had a few songs written. They were already extremely difficult to play, very difficult to uh, master. But I, I just, I guess I had to force myself to, you know, get used to play this the, these songs in, in that particular way that I was not familiar with. And in just a short amount of time, that really helped me to become better at my instrument because it was a completely new territory for me and at the time I was discovering death metal but it was not this kind of death metal I was first death metal band I, I got into was Morbid Angel mm-hmm. while First Fragment was doing this intense neoclassical extremely fast stuff you know so it was completely different so I was, I was in both spectrums of death metal at the same time which was good because it made me want to start other death metal bands under different styles later on but Coming back to First Fragment, it took me a while to get into uh, this style of music, uh, also writing it. I didn't start writing First Fragment music till a, a year and a half later. The material that I wrote, which ended up on our first uh, our first real release, like not including the demos, but like the first real release of the band, the After Thought Ecstasy, that was in 2010. That, that release features my first material that I I wrote for the band and after that actually the during the time we were mixing the EP it took a while because we had money issues I wrote the material for the album that was in 2010 so I was I was around 18 I wrote all of the material uh, well after the material on our, our album that was released in 2016 so there is a big gap because you know we had no label and we looked for a drummer for a very long time so there's a lot of factors explaining why there's so few releases in such a long time. Um, so yeah, that pretty much covers that. Um, you know, going back, because that's, that's a very young age to be writing such um, uh, ad- advanced material, technically speaking. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit to when you're younger. You said something before that um, there was a, a time where metal went from being something that uh, you you didn't necessarily want to pursue to to a time where you you know you you uh, kind of discovered it. It's interesting to hear me say you discovered metal coming from your family. Was there ever a point where you kind of rejected hard rock and heavy metal because it was your dad and your uncle's generation's thing in in your perception? Like as a as a little kid. In a certain way, yes, I was very obsessed with punk music when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I was I, I was listening to a few metal bands back then, but it wasn't it wasn't really my thing, you know. Punk was just an obsession for me at, at that point in my life. And I don't know, it took a, it took a very special event for me to actually uh, realize that heavy metal was my true calling that was when he brought me to a judas priest concert that <laughs> pretty much changed everything so that was it took it took me that to you know realize that oh it's you know heavy metal is it's not just you know it's yeah it's my father's music and my uncle's music i always respected it but i never really took it seriously that much <clears> but then i that concert pretty much changed everything so yeah Wow! Wow, that's a great story. Like this whole world that it's not just what my dad does. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, whole, it's it, deep out there. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me to to think to have um, not just one but three um, older men in the family who uh, you know who are also not just fans but performers of it who are engaged in it. 
um, to teach you about. It. That being said, once you um, uh, like you like you said, you know, once once you go to that Judas Priest concert and you kind of uh, come alive to heavy metal. Uh, something that occurred to me, uh, you know, in listening to a lot of your music the last two days in preparation for this interview, um, I did listen to DDT, to, to your uh, your family's uh, band, and I listened to some of the older recordings from the 80s, and uh, it, it struck me that the, it, it's not like your tip for the listeners too highly recommended. It's not your typical like ACDC or party rock type of music although there might be some of those sentiments here and there i noticed a lot of um like musically uh progressive elements um it, it, is it is it fair to say that there was uh like more going on in ddt than your average hard rock party band and that may have played a role in um in influencing you absolutely uh, ddt all uh basically my father and my uncles like i said i think they were influenced a lot by European heavy metal when they started. That's that's something they wanted to do. They were also influenced by uh, various rock bands, that's for sure. But I guess they wanted, you know, they wanted to create a, a, a brand of heavy metal that was similar to to the European sound, but in their own way. And there's also the fact that. Uh, they were obviously all fans of you know bands like Rush and etc. Mm-hmm. So that also may have something to do with um, uh, them wanting to incorporate uh, almost progressive elements uh, in into the, the the fold, but not quite because DDT's material is very you know I I, I would say it in in French. I'm not sure how to say it in English, but it's it's very. Um, it's simple music to play, but at the same time, there's a lot of quirks to it. Uh, you know, when we did the concert with Exciter uh, two years ago, we hired my uh, my buddy Le Fou to play drums. That, that guy has played in various extreme metal bands. And when he first started playing the songs, he was he was playing them technically right, but wrong because all the subtleties were missing at first and we had to sit down with him and explain all the subtleties and that made that made me realize but you know going through this process how um ddt's music is isn't like you said just uh sloppy party rock whatever type of stuff it's it's almost like well it's it's the same as judas priest really you know uh, it's it's you think you listen to these songs and you think oh they're simple but you you go deeply into the material you you uh, go through each riff, each transition, each arrangement. It's, it's actually some pretty clever, complex, well-taught uh, songs in there. So I guess in the same way, DDT is is not, like you said, typical um, uh, ACDC type uh, yeah. uh, rock stuff. Yeah, which yeah. I, I, by the and way... And also that, defini- that definitely, also, like like you said, that definitely influenced me and in, in in many ways in uh, in all my bands for sure yeah and and by the way not to disparage uh the legendary acdc at all um just i think <laughs> I, just a different style uh that's all this that's all i'm trying to say oh, yeah um now oh, totally. now while while you met you mentioned how uh you know speaks you wanted to uh say something in french um before i'm gonna ask you again another pronunciation question with my long island tongue here your band um 
I'm gonna say Chathelist. Uh, is how do you pronounce ch- uh, Chathelist? Ch- Chathelist. <laughs> <laughs> the chillest. <laughs> uh, I say Chathelist. Um, oh my god! Wow! I couldn't have been r- more wrong. Way okay, Sectilist. Okay. Yaktilist, but you know it's Yachtilist. a made-up word, so so there's there's a just. At first we were named Fandasmal, but I figured you know it's an English name. It's probably <laughs> some band. Some band is gonna take it. Some other band is gonna take the the same name one of these days, and actually it did happen. And I figured you know we're gonna create some really dark, morbid music. So the name of the band should not sound human, or should not look human, because you know, you, well, you just listen to the music by your, for yourself, and you, it, it, having an English moniker would not rep- represent the nature of the music well. So I figured, you know what, I'm just gonna make up a name with a really bizarre uh, spelling, really bizarre pronunciation that uh, people can pronounce in many different ways and that's how we got it and i guess you, the name the way you pronounce it is not how i pronounce it but you know that's the beauty of it we uh in art of an artificial brain uh we call you guys unofficially the chillest or just because you guys are like the, <laughs> that's great the chillest band to listen to <laughs> uh but that band um it's another band where i i think i read that a lot of the material you were working on for several years before the demo right Oh yeah, uh, we uh, it started when I created Spears in 2010 with two of my friends, Emmanuel from Benchfall and Frédéric Chiquan. We wrote an entire album, but I was only involved in writing one song. We did a single, we released it in, in the summer. A lot of people were into it, but then a lot of stuff happened. We got busy, the band split up, we never recorded the album. I took the song I wrote for that project. That was Scriptures of the Tiflodians. And I said, you know what, I'm going to create another, another band in the vein of that song. And I wrote the, the two other songs shortly after. And I asked my, uh, uh, my buddy Phil, Phil Bouchy. At the time, he was also the drummer of First Fragment. He ended up being the drummer of Beyond Creation. Uh, I asked him to join the band. At first, we were only two. We were actually looking for a vocalist. We found a vocalist. So we tried him for two uh, sessions. It was all right, but he eventually left the band for personal reasons. So it was just me and Phil doing our thing. We had the material ready. We actually started tracking in 2011. But a lot of stuff happened, and the demo got released almost like more than a year after we recorded it. So there's a lot of lot of stuff I could tell you about, but it's <laughs> basically the gist of it. But yeah, that's all the material. The mater- material was actually already a bit old when the demo was out. Uh, even like barely, like before the demo was released, I actually was already new ma- writing new material. Uh, the first song I wrote was uh, Void Spawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that song was uh, ended up under for full full-length album so yes you could say a good chunk if not almost all of it all, all of the album the dernier crepuscule uh was written like very very long time ago even before a demo so uh yeah and um it's would you say it's kind of like a, a process with that band um where it's you you can't you know you you, you can't produce produce things uh, month by month uh, year by year on a deadline 
Um, it, it just has to come, and when there's enough enough material that's it's it's appropriate to release it. Uh, it's totally as artists in random. The inspiration comes and goes at <laughs> absolutely random moments. Um, what I can say is all the material, like for example, I'll just take the songs uh, into the vaults. The first uh, the opening track on your album, that song was written in one night. Uh, you know, it just comes and goes. Like a, the, the song tells of the measure of my, mitos, that's Mitos, Mitos, I'm not sure how to pronounce that name, but uh, that song was written in a, in a span of four years, so it, it just wow. it depends on the song. Uh, we, I have, I have, I have a huge collection of you know, unused riffs from all over, you know, the the, the past few years. But yeah. uh, the inspiration lately, uh, it's it's really hard to commit to to this band. Uh, when it comes to composition because when the insertion comes it comes for other other projects so i but lately you know lately i've had a surge of inspiration we started writing new material so really like i said it's it's totally random and it, it comes and goes and uh it, we don't really work with deadlines you know chris knows how slow i am how how much i like to take my time so there's no really, there's not really a deadline. You know, I just told him when it's gonna be, it's gonna be written when it's gonna be written, and he's like, okay, that's fine. Uh, uh, at least you're not like mitochondrian, because <laughs> apparently that's taking longer than us. But you know, mitochondrian plays really complex music too, yeah, so that's pretty yeah. understandable. This style of it, this, you know, this death metal, creating, making death metal is something you, you, sh you know, it's it's not something you should rush in any way whatsoever. Sometimes it it, com it comes. It comes instantly. Sometimes it takes a while, and uh, uh, this how uh, this album, this upcoming album we're gonna do, it's gonna be quite different from the, the first album. It has elements from the early material, but it's quite different. So, obviously, we want to take our time, make sure each riff, each section is well thought off, well prepared. It's, it's. I'm not even sure when, uh, when we're we're ever gonna release another thing. You know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, it's gonna be released in. In 2021, 2020, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. It's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to even want to talk about uh, potential release dates anymore. Just see, it, it puts un unnecessary pressure, and I have too much on my plate anyway. So, okay, I'll, I'll leave you alone on that, Phil. I'll let you off the hook on that one. Um, <laughs> no, 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 but... <laughs> no, 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 it's totally good. It's totally good. <laughs> I, obviously, um, the idea of Finnish death metal plays an influence and an inspiration in, in some of your work, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and when we say that, you know, we always, we always know that we're going to talk about the band Demolik. Um, all due respect to them and to Auntie Bowman and the crew. Uh, and, and maybe if you could just expand on your first experience with Demolik and the greater Finnish death metal scene and, and what that means to you. I discovered uh, Demolik through a band completely unrelated to the Finnish death metal scene, the band was Paver. That was uh, uh, ar around 2007, 2008. I was looking for some really weird bands. <laughs> like I said, in 2007, I started delving into death metal. 2008 is when I started delving into the more underground bands. So I discovered Paver, and I was talking to some of my friends, and I was like, hey, I need something like this. You know, another uh, another band like this. And, 
uh, a friend of mine sent me uh, files for one of the de Demolic uh, demos. It was he told me it's not exactly like this, but you're gonna love it. And in fact, I I did like it. Um, but it was the demo, like I said. I actually discovered the entire album uh, by going through a very uh, how should I say um, infamous website known as Anus.com, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that that, <laughs> that I, saw, I saw they had a review of that album, and obviously the reviews on that site are, are extremely funny, extremely you know just. It's, it's just like a guy taking a tizzars and, 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 you know, just writing every word that comes to mind. But it still got me intrigued because he was, they were talking about the album. I was only familiar with the demo. And it's actually the album that hooked me up, you know. So that was my first experience with the finished demo scene. After that, uh, a few, uh, shortly after, I discovered uh, Psychostasia by Adramalek. Yes, yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I discovered uh, Disgrace inside the lab Labyrinth of Depression, Slumber of Soul and Ice by Demigod. That one was also a big game changer for me. It was one of the darkest things I've ever heard in my entire life. Just really suffocating. I would like, you know, I would like burn CDs and put them in my discman and just, you know, I would go to a party or something or hang out with my friends I would w walk in 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 the, in the winter at night for like one hour because all my friends always uh, they were always partying like really far away and so I just walked at like minus 30 outside at night just listening to like, like old demos and and you know some old like Finnish bands that's kind of how the inspiration came for me uh, when it came to writing music for Thelis but that's how I just I, I developed a taste for uh, you know, listening to these dark bands, I was putting myself in an environment where I, I was just like freezing my ass off outside, listening to stuff on my disman. That said, disman would sometimes just fucking stop playing music because it was so cold outside. You know, so that was a uh, that was the perfect um, the perfect way to get into it, get into it properly, if, if I should say. So all these bands. Uh, like I said, it's ironic because I discovered them through a band that were not—they're not even uh, Finnish. The favor from from Germany, but anyway, it was like the—it um, uh, sounds like the Rainforest Cafe of Finnish death metal, <laughs> where you're just fully immersed. <laughs> and yeah, that, I mean, kudos for just walking in that weather. Yeah. That, that's that's how you do it though. A cold walk in the snow, some Finnish death metal, and it's interesting. I got to look up this band Paver first of all, because I'm going to admit I've never heard of this. And if this is how you got into uh, Demolits, then that that's that's the road I need to go down. Um, but it's interesting because we talk about bands that aren't necessarily Finnish but have something akin to them to that sound. Something I wanted to ask you um, on the latest, and I'm going to mispronounce the, the band's name again. Uh, uh, Ch I'm just going to say Chathelist. Um, on the latest release, 2018's Passage into the uh, Zenonoth EP, which I probably also mm -hmm. mispronounced, you covered a song by the Swedish band Crematory. Uh, and I always yep. felt that the, on their... I've, I've, I'm a big fan of that band, and I have uh, um, some of their uh, stuff re-released, some of their demos. And um, I've always felt like there was something, like a missing link between the Demolich demos and the Crematory demos, 
Maybe you as an engineer and a guitarist could, could clear that up for me if, if you see what I'm seeing. I totally agree with you, actually. It's... Uh, Antsy told me. He, he told me straight up. He told me he, he'd seen... Uh, no, no, wait. Actually, actually, I'm confusing things up here. But he told me he was, was a big fan of them in that era. Wow. Okay. That is in, in, in those years. And, and that, that did not surprise me because just just listen to you listen to Exordium by Crematory uh -huh. which was released in 1990 versus the first demo demo also released during the same year there's a very you know the same same choice of, of guitar tone uh, same tuning almost uh, same approach when it comes to note choice structural ideas uh, you said there would there would there they're pretty much related to each other and I totally agree you know it's I think it's uh, a lot of people over overlook that I think if there's a band that the, the, I, if there was a band that would consider to be the most uh, the closest to Demolition in terms of you know everything like I said sound and yeah etc I would I would I would go with crematory for sure yeah and it's irony because they're not uh, they're not even they're not even from Finland but huh. then again I'm I would not be surprised if you know Sweden and Finland influences each other. You listen to uh, Crypt of Kerberos, the first few demos. It obviously sounds it sounds like Crematory. Also sounds like Demolish too. You know, you listen to Eternal Darkness, also from uh, from uh, Sweden, and it has similarities to what Ripikulu did a few years later. So you know, it goes back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, there's there's only so much uh, boxing in we can do of these old scenes. Obviously, people were tape trading yeah. back then. Um, and uh, the regional scene thing, I think nowadays means less and less with globalization and the internet and and uh, the speed with which you can access music. But back then, you were still kind of seeing these regional scenes develop uh, with, with kind of like bleeding in and out of the countries. But um, one, one other thing, while we're on the old school demolish talk and we're talking about who sounds like who, something that um, I, I did manage to speak to Auntie Bowman about was um, another band that he said influenced the demolish style. Are you a fan of Bolt Thrower? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't expecting yeah. a no. Yes, yeah, so that's interesting because when you talk about that crematory, I never heard Auntie actually confirm that there, there was like a direct influence there. Um, and I think you put it in ways that maybe uh, I wouldn't be able to articulate as well. But um, Auntie told me once that Bolt Thrower was a huge influence and I didn't, I never even realized it. And then I went back and listened to Bolt Thrower and it made a, a lot of sense to me. Um, I think maybe in terms of uh, of just like like rhythmically uh, and the the choice of, of riffs, but but Demolich put a de yeah. obviously a totally different spin on it. I I totally agree, man. I one I one, I did an experiment one time. I took some of the songs on uh, War Master, <laughs> and I I don't know I don't know how to I don't know where that plugin went. But I, I had this plug in my old computer where I could like literally pitch shift everything instantly, and I pitch shifted the. I was listening to Warmaster, and I uh, pitch shifted the songs, so it came you know pretty close to how a demolished tune, which is in A, if I <laughs> remember correctly. It's like okay, yeah, it's when you li listen to the riffs and the tuning, it does sound pretty similar. So it's just you know Warmaster is not tuned as as low as the 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 Bolt Trower's first few albums, but 
I had that was the album that got me into both War Warmaster. So yeah, I did the experiment with this album, and I that, and yeah, absolutely, it's, it's fantastic. That's how I, I noticed the, uh, the the similarity. It's just uh, sometimes you change the tuning, it sounds completely different. You know, I we released our demos in our album in in tune in in C instead of you know, or their demo was in A or her album was in G sharp. I re released their albums in, in C or, or D sharp. I guarantee you there would not be as many Demolage references. Mm -hmm. Some because sometimes it's just it's just like a a, a a color people associate with either the tuning. That's why that's why I think experimenting with different song keys and, you know, modulating song keys and songs is something I, I want to do more because it uh, offers a different palette, a different color palette and uh, the, the tuning uh, Dimelich uses is, is something a lot of bands use more and more, more nowadays uh, so it's, it's instantly recognizable so I mean it's, it's easy to, uh, to make comparisons that way and you know obviously our music is very influenced by them but also Boltrower but people would not really notice a Boltrower influence that as much just solely because of the tuning it's, yeah. it's crazy but it, it to for me it totally makes sense anyway wow but yeah Boltrower is Boltrower is a band I had a chance to see uh, right before they split up but I you know I the show was really far away I couldn't make it so I really mm -hmm. I really regret really regret that but I the, have you seen them live? Um, I was I was actually holding back because I didn't want to seem like mm -hmm. I was trying to brag but since you ask, I, I did see them, I think it was 2011, I could be off maybe a year or two, but it was 2011 Maryland Death Fest. If I'm not mistaken, I think Asphyx canceled, somebody canceled and both throw played two sets uh, on like like two different nights, like a Friday night and then a Saturday night they, they performed. And um, those are the only two times I caught Bolt Thrower was back to back those two sets. Wow. Uh, Attendance ago. flex. Yeah, yeah. So well, I mean, you know, if you think about <laughs> if you think about the fact that I had never seen them before that, I'm actually kind of a poser. So it's Yeah, you're a poser and you saw them twice. Yeah. You, you did a two hundred percent increase. I got very overnight. I, I got very, very lucky. You should have um, saw them once and then walked out the second yeah. that, that is crazy. That's two sets. Uh, that's completely nuts. Yeah, it, it was what, it was what, it was nice. Yeah, was it like two identical sets or like two completely different like parts of the discography or something? I I would have to go back and check because now we're now we're getting back. It was almost ten years ago at this point. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm not totally yeah, fair enough under pressure. And also uh, I was um I, I was off duty that day. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was allegedly having a pretty good time uh, at least the second night. So. Oh yeah. So, so sounds sick. Yeah, but um. <laughs> I, 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 I am pretty jealous of that, but yeah, that sounds that sounds like a really, really good time. Well, something I'm jealous of, uh, to steer it back to you and your work, is uh, you performed. Well, we'll get we'll get into Funibarum, uh, Funibarum from New Jersey, um, uh, legendary death doom band, uh, who you have been performing with uh, the last few years. But you performed with them at the Helsinki Death Fest. Uh, or at least you toured Europe and stopped at the, Hel the Helsinki Death Fest, and you performed on stage with Demolich, right? Yep. The, putrefi was, the putrefying road. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was that was so cool. <laughs> I'll never forget that. That's, <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> people were not expect expecting that at all. It was really cool. Like people were like, "Who is this guy?" It's like, "Oh, it's the, the guy from the band yesterday." 
what is he doing on stage? You know? <laughs> that was really odd. That was really fucking cool. I was just like, you know, and he sent me the tab for the song. I was already familiar with the riffs for the song. I did tab when I was uh, tabbing a lot of bands. Like I was on a website called Rivers of Gore. We were tabbing uh, songs from all sorts of type of bands. I tabbed a lot of songs from a Dramalek, uh, Demolich, and other various other bands. I was already familiar with a good chunk of their their music and their riffs. He sent me an updated version of the tab, which was quite different from how I played it. So I remember just sitting with him in the back room uh, where all the bands uh, hung out before, you know, performing at the festival. It was just really like surreal, just like me and him on a couch, just like jamming like Demolich riffs. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was fucking. That was so cool, man. That, that was so fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, we just uh, I took my guitar, he gave me his cable, and we just you know short and sweet song. It's it's a very short one. It's a very uh, you know very catchy song, easy way bang too. So it was just like the perfect. Uh, perfect choice for me, really. There's other songs I could have played, maybe the more complex ones, but I was like a little bit too anxious, you know. I was so it's like it's, it's good that I chose uh, 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 the easiest song, the whole album. But yeah, yeah, that was really cool, man. I'm, I'm really, I'm really stoked on that. It just happened randomly. That's it's, awesome. You know yeah. what? Actually, that was not. We, yeah, actually, we're even even the the day we from brought on perform. Um, the, the 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 day before, we were actually supposed to play a demigod song with uh, two of the guys from Demigod, Seppo and Eza. We actually hung out with Seppo a few days before. Uh, he showed us all like the like demigod jam spot back then. Uh, like, he, he showed us like the spot where all the uh, drama like pictures were taking, uh, like the basement. Wow! Like the, the and, and all the all the like the really. Uh, uh, Iconic places. When we say iconic, Seppo just laughs on the interface. Like, dude, it's like I could never imagine this boring ass city could be iconic. But whatever. We were actually supposed to play a demigod song with him in Ezza, but it didn't happen. But that would have made the whole festival even more legendary than it was actually. So, yeah. but I, I, I guess Demo, this playing a song with Demolition was one of the coolest moments of that tour for sure. Yeah, so I can uh, only imagine. Have you have you 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 toured with Demolich with Biolich and uh, Artificial Brain? Yes, yes. And Biolich, yeah. it, it was interesting because in 2006, I've told the story. Uh, Biolich supported Demolich on their first U.S. tour, um, which was not very well promoted or booked, and they did not have that recognition at that point in the death metal scene. Um, maybe if maybe it would have been. If it was promoted better, we would have seen a better turnout, but it really wasn't the most successful tour, and I think that they would admit that. Um, and when they came back in 2018, and we had the privilege with Artificial Brain of being able to open up for them uh, along with Blood Incantation, um, it was like almost sold out shows the entire time. Uh, and, and all tons of like, you know, selling out merch. People knew the songs, people knew the band, they were revered. And it's it was like it like warmed my heart to see them come back to the United States and win, and and yeah, and you know what I mean. So cool. it, it, and and I know they're actually gearing up to come back over 
uh, in a few months and do another tour. And I really love seeing a band that I grew up. There's part of me that, uh, you know, kind of like, a, I guess, a teenager still at heart that, that um, you know, wants it to still be underground and unknown and obscure and special just to me. But that's a selfish thought, you know, and I'm very happy that those guys are coming back and getting recognition and being able to put some gas mo- gas money uh, and food money in their in their pocket for playing uh, music, you know, that, that has touched all of our lives now, you know. I I totally agree, man. Uh, actually, I was going to ask you if you yourself have performed with them, like as a guest, yeah. also because your your vocals are pretty are pretty damn deep, also. So, just I, I was thinking about that. It's just huh. I could see you and Anti just trade vocals on stage. Uh, maybe that came up to me. It's never happened. Um, maybe one day, you know. I don't mean to be uh, presumptuous, so I've never, I've never jumped in, you know. But you know, by by request only, you know what I mean. That's how that's how it would have to go down. Um, but yeah, it would it would yeah. be, you know, that's that's a lofty thing, you know. That's why I ask you. But but who knows? Maybe one day, you know, they're coming back around. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Like I mentioned before, you were in Helsinki because you're actually a member of the band Funebrarum now, right? Yeah, since 2017, we uh, finished mixing our album last December. Uh, we're doing, we're finishing up the artwork, and hopefully, we'll release the new album uh, this summer. I'm not sure which month yet. It depends on when uh, the artwork is going to be delivered. But yeah, uh, I've been a fan of that band for a very long time, actually, before joining. So. How did you get involved That's with those guys? Thing. Uh, I met met these guys at a Montreal show they played in 2016. I was, a, like I said, already a, a fan for a long time. We, uh, when I say we, I mean Daryl and I, uh, we spoke a few times on Facebook, like just saying, hey, we should play a show together sometime. But it was never really more than that, you know. Uh, we talked... Uh, we actually we uh, we ended up meeting at a show I mentioned. I met all the guys and everything, and ended up talking to Daryl a lot during that show. And it was a fun night. Unfortunately, the concert, the the, the band could not play uh, the last song. The cops went. Uh, the cops came into the venue and shut down the place uh, because of a noise. Yeah, because of a bullshit noise complaint or something. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it totally came out of nowhere. Was, I I, w- I made a post on Facebook saying you know i posted uh it was was it sleep no it was being in column yeah i, I posted this album on, on facebook saying this is one of my favorite death metal records the band is on tour in europe right now you should go see them they're one of the best bands out there blah 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 and daryl liked my post and shortly after the tour was over he asked me hey you want to join Finebraro? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's just, completely, just completely out of nowhere. But I'm like, yeah, wow. sure. Wow. Yeah, just like randomly like this. We met up and jammed for the first time in uh, October, September of October. I don't remember. It was in the fall of 2017. I went to New York and jammed. And actually, one of the songs on the album is actually one of the songs we wrote the first day we jammed together so that's really cool we actually wrote like two songs on that day but one of the songs ended up being on the album i showed them a riff i wrote before like taking the plane and we just like wrote around that riff 
So you could say that first meeting with the van was very productive. <laughs> I that was a really yeah. that was a really cool time. That was my first time visiting the United United States too. So that wow. was that was that was quite something. Uh, that that's amazing. And uh, just for for the listeners, that's Funebrarum, um, F-U-N-E-B-R-A-R-U-M from the New Jersey, New York area, long running band. Uh, they actually p- performed with um, Biolich and Demolich uh, on that 2006 tour when we performed in Brooklyn. And I remember staying at those guys' house uh, over in New Jersey for the day. And I, I remember th- those guys in Funebrarum were like original tape traders and probably some of the only people waving the flag of that Finnish death metal sound uh, as far back as they did and as early as they did from the United States and mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of like removed uh, from the first generation Finnish bands. So it's really interesting to see you working with them now. I'm sure I'm sure when you um, eventually release material that has you in the studio with them, it's going to be amazing. I'm really stoked. It's it's I think it's really it's a mix of the first album and the second album. It has the really raw dark uh, vibe of the first album it's really suffocating and and and, and almost I won't I won't say arch but it, it, it is really it really comes close to the first album in, in terms of filthiness overall and in, in rawness uh, it also has some you know occasional extremely savage parts like on sleep of morbid dreams which which was faster uh, more and uh, a little bit more technical than the first album, but this new album is also has the most doom parts. Without us sounding like a doom death band, it has the, the most doom parts of any Infinity Brown album. We went like um, I'm, I have the Eng- I have the French words in my head, but <laughs> like translate trying to translate to English. We, we went like full like nuts on all the the, the synths and in, in organs and stuff we made this album sound extremely morbid oh. it's extremely atmos- atmos- atmospheric too so it's it's really i think it has everything on this album and honestly i don't want to brag but it has hands down the best drum sound i've ever heard on a death metal album <laughs> like it's the best drum sound i've ever heard it's just totally insane you know, yeah, it, we I, went I, with the I thing that did this album. Uh, Phil, I feel like you might get some hate mail uh, oh, for, for saying totally. that. I, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge. I haven't heard them yet, but I'm excited to hear them. Better than Saint Anger. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's just I'm really proud of it. You know, it's people will. I, I will say, I will totally say it. It's like this is the best drum sound I've ever heard on the death metal album. A lot of people will disagree, but that's. How my tastes are, and you know, people are free to disagree with that. That's that's okay. But I'm just, that's how pr- proud I am of this album. No. How proud I am of how it sounds. Uh, you know. Of course. I mean, I'm, I'm so, sure it I mean, sounds sick. You 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 have great taste because you put out really good stuff, man. You're you're in a lot of good projects, so I look forward to it. And I'm sure our audience does. I'm I'm I look forward to it. The the, the engineer who worked on it, like I said, he is one of the reasons why this album sounds so great. He's a uh, well, you, you you probably know him at least by name, uh, Stephen Stevie D from uh, Studio Sounds Plus Studio in, in uh, Edison, New Jersey. He did the Dism album towards the Megalith. He did the Vulcan. He worked with Ripping Corpse. He did the wow. uh, unreleased Ripping Corpse album. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff. He even worked with Bon Jovi and Cindy Lauper. He's all over the place. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, that guy, that guy, 
Yeah, oh, yeah he's, he's amazing. I, I, you mentioned Evoking <laughs> Evoke real quick, and when we talk about Funerbaum, I feel like Evoking, another one of the bands in that in that kind of like old school New York City uh, death doom um, pocket. Uh, that that band that that the listeners should at least give a chance to, um, and. Uh, you know we're we're getting Phil. At, we've been we've been talking for a while now, and and um the conversation goes naturally. I'm starting to get get the uh, feeling we're not going to be able to cover all of your bands because you have so many different projects and releases. Um, but something you did mention is uh, you talked about an engineer. Um, and and while while we're talking about your projects, one that I do want to bring up is in 2018, the Void Engineers is the album that came out by Cosmic Atrophy. Uh, a one-man project based out of Mississippi that um, pretty much everything is played by a guy named Corey Richards, but you came in to do lead guitar and vocals, right? Yeah, that's correct. Totally out of nowhere also. He contacted me on Metal Archives. Hey, you want to join Cosmic Atrophy? It's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and that's how it happened. <laughs> really? Another another kind of, like another guy that's just out there, um, it, it, out there in the wilderness playing kind of Finnish death metal inspired music. And you just go there and lay the fill the fill touch like uh, it's it's almost it's I mean it's almost at this point like um like 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 P Diddy or like one of these hip hop producers who That's goes right. out there and puts the golden touch on yeah, things you put right that shine on you it put the fill two gas touch on it you know I mean I I, I do appreciate the compliment for sure <laughs> on Cosmic Trophy I, I I did experiment a lot on stuff I've never done before I used a lot of metal objects to put against my guitar strings to put. To create really strange sounds you mentioned the band was influenced by a lot of finnish bands and that's true but we a lot of the influences came also from horror music uh, or movie soundtracks and various science fiction movie uh, soundtracks as well so we really wanted to create some really fucked up sounds so i decided to go all out and do something i've never done before and it's a lot of people a lot of people loved it but a lot of people also bashed it <laughs> but i mean it comes it comes it comes with the you know it's just, that's something to it that's to be expected when you do some really experimental stuff it's not gonna be for everybody and that's totally fine you know but i'm 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 really stoked it came out the way it was unfortunately it was not released by a label like hoping we can change that uh definitely deserving of a vinyl lp release in my opinion i would be first online for that because i i'm in the camp of people that enjoys that album i imagine maybe some of your more like music school minded guitar uh fans maybe maybe don't don't like the uh putting the guitar in, in harm's way with all those metal objects <laughs> they're it, throwing at it it's cool because like that whole yeah. that album uses it's um it's very unique sounding and like the the choice, the the choices, the note note choices you make are very, very uh, they're interesting and they work really well. I think that the album's fantastic. Will showed that to me last year, and I I spun the shit out of that one. Um, it sounds very unique. The mixing is like you don't hear anything that sounds like that out there. Yeah, that Corey is is truly he's he's a freak of nature. He's amazing. He writes. He wrote most of the music in there. He's uh, actually the drums were uh, the drums were performed by him using a keyboard, if I remember correctly. Really? He literally plays the drums on a keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, finger he's, finger that tapping. That guy is not. Yeah, I think I, something like that. He also played the syntax. 
Well, something that sounds like a syntax, anyway. He did a lot of stuff that I, I don't even know how he did it, but it came out that way. And Yeah, that guy is uh, he's something, man. He's, he's a really down-to-art person. Uh, really, he's not really in the scene that much, you know. He did a lot of video game music. Cosmica Trophy went on a hiatus because his computer crashed. He lost all, all of his files, so he did a lot of other music in the meantime, and it, that gave him a lot of inspiration from other styles of music when the Cosmic Atrophy came back. And that's thanks to, you know, the, the album sounds this way because of that, you know, because he delved into other styles of music. And that's, that's something I respect a lot. But I, I do appreciate uh, your I, your praise. It means yeah, a lot. I mean, honestly, it, it struck me as like a real piece of art in the metal community. And there's a lot of bands that are doing like artsy death metal and blackened metal, but like that, that stuck out. Yeah. I re- <laughs> thank you. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I get a little shy when people uh, compliment. Well, oh, sorry. Let me. Oh, hold on. I, I'm. Just, I'm sure I can think of something bad to say. Give me a minute. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I got nothing. <laughs> you, you guys. Well, you guys make a good team. Um, and I, I'm. You know, I'm looking through my notes here. It's like I said. You've been involved in so much. Um, let me just ask this: uh, with all these different projects, um, some of them local to you uh, in, in Quebec. And some of them are you. You do stay in Quebec uh, currently, right? Yeah, uh, Longueuil, uh, just uh, right next to Montreal. Okay, uh, and I mean, but the, the point I'm getting at is you're involved in so many projects. A lot of them long distance through the internet. A lot of them regional. Um, how do you organize your time? How do you keep from getting burnt out? Uh, and how how do you keep engaged and keep track of all the stuff that you do? I focus on one band, like uh, like one per month. So I do, I do every I, I get everything done in a specific amount of time uh, between, say, February and March. Right now I'm recording the first fragment album, uh, which I started recording in February. Now in March, I'm focusing on that right now. And when I'm not recording. I'm uh, writing new material for my power metal band, Eternity's End, and also new material for Ctilis. So I get, I, I organize a period a period of time to record stuff, and another separate period to write stuff for other bands. And it's all organized a year in advance huh. on specific months. Wow. Last year, it, last year, uh, no, 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 sorry, not last year, in 2018, it was a bit more difficult. I was recording uh, the Zelotry album, the Ikipoi's album, the Eternity Zen album, all at the same time, while learning uh, first fragment songs for the summer tour and DDT songs also. So it come um, is sometimes it it became you know it became a little bit too much. That's why I I left Xerox, I left Ikipoi's, I left Zelotry, all three of those uh, longest distance bands. Uh, it does didn't take as much as effort or time but I still needed the energy to focus on my main bands and organize everything uh, you know in a in a logical way that n- nothing clashed you know so sometimes I have to let go of, s- of certain certain things right now I'm in a pretty comfortable spot you know I'm uh, I just finished uh, the Atramantis album which also is going to see a release in the summer Finnebrom is going to be released, and I'm recording stuff right now and writing stuff for other bands. So right now I'm in a, in a pretty comfortable spot. 
I'm all, I'm always open to like uh, you know do session work for bands live stuff. And speaking of which, I'm hoping there's a certain tour that's going to be announced at the end of the year. Uh, I won't say with who, I won't say where, but it's a pretty big tour, and I hope I can. Uh, I hope this tour gets confirmed because that's going to be probably the biggest tour I've ever done, wow. and it's a band from with a band with a band from the U.S. I, I hope it. I hope it happens. I'm a fan of um, that Cosmic Atrophy album you're on. I'm a fan of. of uh... Um, Catholicist. I'm a I'm a fan uh, of uh, a lot of your stuff. Uh, I never actually listened to Eternity's End. I'll be totally honest with you. Not traditionally um, uh, a fan of metal like that. It's not my personal cup of tea. Uh, but I really enjoyed that Unyielding album uh, that came out in 2018 while I was doing the research. Um, so much going on and so much to process and and. Uh, so well written. I'm not going to sit here and, and smother you in uh, in compliments and everything, man. Um, but uh, but uh, there's just like a wealth of music, and uh, I, as I said, we're kind of like uh, we're going to start wrapping it up in a little bit here. But for our listeners, you have a very well curated YouTube channel where you share uh, quite a bit of music that you're on, uh, live performances of yourself, and you also share a lot of obscure uh, older metal from the '80s and '90s that people might not know. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of bands out there that deserve more, more, more recognition, and I mean, a lot of people will not go through uh, the process, the painful process of of digging that music out, uh, that music out, and uh, exposing it to the masses. So it's like you know, it's just like that's a that's a band I really love and respect. So the, here's uh, you know, here's my YouTube channel, my, my music, but here's a band that uh, influenced the music that I wrote. So you know, it just. I just put it out there for people, and uh, it, I've never been contacted by any band asking me to, to take down the, the, the music that I uploaded there. So it, I guess it's, it's not. Uh, I guess people don't mind. Uh, my YouTube channel is. I, I probably should work on it more. Maybe <laughs> upload more diverse. Maybe upload diversified content on it. But um, it's it's really cool. Like. A lot of people, some people message me saying, "Hey, I discovered this meant for you, and I'm really, I'm really happy you uploaded that, you know, that band because it's it's, it's one of the coolest things I've heard in a while." And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, it's that's that's why I, I want to do it because it's just, you know, I think it's a lot of people. They're like being they're uh, there's a lot of that like hipster mentality in metal where people are just like, oh, I just want to listen to obscure shit. And keep it to myself. Is I'm the opposite. Is I know I want to share it to the world, man. Yeah. Because that's what, why. That's what. That's what drives. That's the band that drives me to create music. That's the band that inspired me. So I mean, you should listen to it too. If you don't like it, that's fine. But you know, it's it's a band I love. So. Uh, yeah, I I I also appreciate you. Uh, I mean, a lot of people following my bands. They're probably not that much into power metal, and that's totally fine. Uh, but. I appreciate you uh, actually checked out the, uh, Eternities and that's with uh, Christian Munzner and Anders Grossman from uh, Necrophages and Obscura those two bands I listened to a lot in my youth and that's also another case of totally random like totally messaging me at random on Facebook saying hey do you want to join our band that's another case of uh, totally random uh, uh, unexpected events that led to really cool music <laughs> being done 
So, <laughs> so that's uh, that's a really cool uh, project. Uh, I, I'm actually we got signed to a, a, a bigger label just now, and I'm really stoked about that the, the future of that band as well. Can, can you tell us what label, or is that a secret for now? I mean, it's not really something. Uh, no, I can't. Well, it's not really secret. It's just I, I don't want to. Yeah, don't don't. I just, yeah, I just keep it the yeah. Don't let us be the reason that you get kicked out of the band. <laughs> um, yeah, I just the raps for now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. So. Uh, like I said, there's so many bands. Uh, your YouTube channel would be a good place for people to start who maybe want to sample some of your other work and things you've uh, been a guest on. Um, what what do you have coming? You know, we talked about uh, your tour coming up, and you mentioned some of your releases. What do you have coming up in the near future that people should be watching out for in the rest of 2020? Um, there's not a not there's not much else to be honest. Like I said, just. Uh, the Atrementis uh, debut album in, in sometime in August, Cinebrarum album sometime this summer. Uh, Keylist is going to do a tour in, U in the US, as you already know. We're all, also in the process of doing a Canadian, well, we're not doing it, we're trying to book a Canadian tour sometime this summer as well. Uh, and First Fragment, First Fragment, Eternity's End, or aiming to release albums. In 2021, you said I know you said near future, but that's the near future for me because everything <laughs> is planned at least a year and a half, a, a year and a half ahead of everything. So that's great. That's, um, that's a well-organized system. That's good. Yeah, and there's some there's some other like I said, uh, I hinted about a tour at the end of the year, which I cannot talk about yet um, with the U.S. band. But there's also other uh, potential. Um, new projects on the horizon as well uh maybe not for 2020 but for 2021 so that's something also something I, I, i'm looking forward because i think it may surprise a lot of people huh. all right a u.s band i'm thinking guns and roses you don't have to confirm yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you, you, gonna, you found me out okay. you, you yeah. already bought the top hat <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, and and I hate to put you on the spot, Phil. I think I may have neglected to, to warn you. Uh, in each of our interviews, we ask the guests to recommend one classic release and one newer release by any artist that you like, just for the listener's recommendation. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah. so when you when you say older releases, uh, we, is it is, is it, a, is it does it have to be a that metal band or? No, it could be anything, but the only criteria we're, we shoot for is more than 15 years. More than... Okay. Um, well, as far as, as all the releases go, you know, right now I'm sitting in front of my vinyl collection and a lot of things I, w I could uh, recommend right off the bat. But if there's a band I would... Always recommend to people. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I don't know which one. To, <laughs> I don't know which one to recommend. But um, uh, yeah, you're right. This is a cruel question. But I, 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 I actually love. I actually love these questions, even though they're very torturous for me to answer. But um, you know, a, a bit, an album that always upsets me is uh, a short Silicil Burden by a dark millennium it's a band from germany it's like a death doom but 
kind of progressive at the same time. It's, it's like the vocalist sounds like Chuck Schuldiner, but on a really bad day and he's really depressed. <laughs> and the music, and the music is, is just like I said, it's doomy, it's death, but it doesn't sound like any typical doom death metal. It's, it has progressive elements, a lot of weird instruments, acoustic guitars. There is even a song with like some like really mystical clean singing, but it's actually well, really well done. And it's like I said, there's nothing I can compare it to, literally nothing. So that's a band from Germany. I I definitely recommend. Okay, what was the name as again? As, uh, the, the album is Ashore the Celestial Burden. The band is called Dark Millennium. Okay. Yeah. And, and as far as new releases go, um, I think I will go with... There's this band I don't know... I don't really know, really know the guys. I don't know what's the background. I just stumble on it by pure... Or ra at pure random and it put me on my ass it's a band called Mephitis Mephitis uh, I don't know how to say it it sounds like North Premier era sentence the chasm mm. uh, old at the gates like like not like uh, Sorrow of the Soul but the, the Red in the Sky is ours era at the gates mixed with a lot of like Gormant Demigod it sounds Swedish and Finnish at the same time but it has uh, some black metal elements as well, and it put me on my ass because that's actually this 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 sort of like very diverse approach I want to take with the the newer Catalyst material. So that really like my jaw was open the entire time that the album was playing. I like the and the entire like time disappeared for like 42 minutes. That's how good it was. Wow. So again, that's I'm gonna spell the name for you. It's M E F I. E-I-S. Okay. The album is on YouTube, and the album name is called Ember Dawn. It's, it's, it, like the album cover is done by Turka Renton, and he did like the, all the Psychostasia and this this fight album covers. So you, that should tell you uh, like what kind of album it is, really. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great artist. Uh, and and he's uh, isn't he? He's the brother of one of the guys from a drama leg, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Even that really surprised me. Actually, he actually wrote the lyrics for Psychostasia. Like all yeah. the lyrics are from him. That's, yeah. really, that's that's really that's you really unusual. But that guy is strikes me as very well spoken, uh, very smart individual with a lot of imagination. So I, it's it's cool to involve him in the process. You know, maybe we'll reach out to him uh, for for uh, for an interview. We'll see. Um, and uh, wow! So uh, those are those are uh, recommendations um, that we don't take lightly uh, from from you, Phil. Um, and Phil, again, we thank you so much for your time this evening to talk about your work, uh, your family's work um, in DDT, which we also recommend to our listeners of old school heavy metal. Um, and watch out for all the stuff you're involved in uh, to our listeners. Any parting words for supporters of your work uh, and listeners of our podcast? Um, not really. Um, well, if, if anyone had the patience to sit through me stumbling through my words, I applaud your patience because it's quite difficult for me to hold in a, a conversation in English for this long. But I, uh, well, I, I really appreciate you guys uh, interviewing me uh, for, for your show. What, what is, please remind me, uh, the name of the, the show? Uh, uh, 
It's the heavy no, the hole. Podcast, sorry. The heavy hole podcast. Awesome. I'll be sure to uh, promote it when it comes out. And uh, again, thank you guys so much. I, I don't have any uh, other parting words other than uh, you know, stay to. Yeah, I don't have any words. I, I'm really bad with that. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's all good, man. I was gonna say so, I'm gonna, I was I was gonna say something really edgy. It's like, no, Phil, sh- shut up. Shut up. <laughs> you can say it. I can cut it out later. Yeah. No, no, no. No, well, it's fine. It's fine. Well, thank thank you very much, Phil. Uh, and as for the English, there's no way I could have conducted this interview in French. So you you did very well. I, I only speak one language, so I applaud you uh, for for being able to do so. Um, and thank you very much. We're going to be looking out for your uh, all your music. And um, mm-hmm. hopefully uh, we can meet up uh, April 11th, uh, Brooklyn, St. Vitus. However you say it, um, uh, Yethelis, Cathelis, they're playing. They're going to be there April 11th, Brooklyn, at St. Vitus. Uh, so, Phil, maybe I could buy you a beer or something, man. We look forward to seeing you. Hell yeah. I, I, don't, I don't drink beer, but I'll, I'll guess you or something that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to guess I'll buy you a beer and I'll drink it okay we'll take it we'll take a selfie just like yeah. they do just like the kids do exactly all right Phil great talking to you brother have a great night thanks guys thank you thank you cheers cheers Wow, really interesting to talk to uh, Phil Tugas. Um, I learned that I mispronounce just about every word I try to say in this episode tonight. Your French is terrible. Yeah, I'm not a Frenchman. Um, But Phil is a uh, prolific artist, Um, amazing guitarist, involved in so many bands. uh, I couldn't even begin to talk about half of what I had in my research. Um, But I'm glad that we got to discuss all that with him that we did talk about. Got to get him back for part two. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, uh, speaking of bands and having so many bands that we can't even talk about them all, let's talk about more bands. Let's do it. Yeah. You guys got stuff to talk about? What's up? It's that time of the night. Mm-hmm. We but, recommend stuff to yeah, you, the I, listeners. I recommend you uh, buckle up because we got some good bands. All right. Justin? Yeah. What, oh, let's do it. What do you have uh, first? You want, you, want to do, you want old? You want a new? You want an old? Let's do the new. Let's do something unpredictable and start with the new, which we start with every time. So, <clears throat> all right, boys. New recommendation this week. I have Rattenfanger. Their album released December 2019, Geisler Leader. And by these German words, you might have guessed correctly this band is from the ukraine (laughs) uh so like i said this brand new album came out december 2019 on dark essence records um from yeah from from rattenfanger man let's just talk about that name for a little bit uh did a little research on it um will you guessed correctly i did think this was a new rat album called Nfanger. uh it's not no, it's not. Uh, and, you know, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. Uh, Rattenfanger is actually uh, the 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 name of the German 
legend of the Pied Piper from uh, from Middle Ages, um, which you know is is fun. I yeah. just I just think that's fun, right? Well, folklore is always fun. Yeah, you gotta get gotta get the rats out of the town so they don't get anybody sick. Mm-hmm. Buy great. a cat. So, uh, so yeah, this is a real like uh, huge sounding uh, deathy doom kind of basement uh, project right now. Uh, very evil, kind of catchy, like Freddy Krueger. And, uh, and yeah, just just kind of really pumping into this this album today. So uh, I want to bring it to the hole and get you guys' take on it. I'm just here to recommend. I like this very tight format they got going on here. Like the syncopated drum riff kind of thing, but still staying dark. Doesn't sound doesn't sound like a like metalcore hardcore kind yeah, of riff. That's even though I it's ca- doing that kind of technique. That's right. Where I kind of felt the catchiness kind of was in there. You know, um, nod your head like it's a like it's a metalcore song, but it's fucking not. You know, uh, it's really, really not. Don't no. don't ruin it for me. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> everything. The mix, the mix, everything sits really clean in the mix. It's like it's like noisy and low end, but it's not all mushed together. Yeah, a little elbow room in yeah. the mix. Yeah, I hear that. I just picture these like these songs as like different soundtracks to you know highlighting different rats on their way out of the town that they're being led by the rat and fanger. Well, it has a scurrying quality, but yeah, Will, like you were just saying, this mix though is um, they they managed to. to Contain a lot of uh, like like the guitars are this vaporous cloud that manages to keep from seeping into the drums. That's a poetic way of putting it. Heavy, uh, heavy take. Every once in a while, you know, dabble. Still looking for that new Rat album, though. I have a fun one tonight. I, I found a band called Crawler. I, I think it's an EP. There's only five songs. Um, it's called The Boom. August of 2019 on Horror, Pain, Gore, Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a Baltimore band. It's kind of like this shrieking, grinding, crusty band. Um, the influences are vast, but it still has this grindcore attitude about it all the way through. They slow down some parts. They get eerie. A little doomy at parts. Some clean parts that kind of remind me of Opeth. But without the um, without the grandiose kind of thing. More of like a Nick Cave slowdown. Hmm. As opposed to the uh, epic kind of uh, wind blowing through your hair slowdown. Okay. I don't know a lot about this band because they don't really list much uh, on the band camp. They're not on Metalum yet. So someone fix that, please. Oh, you beat them. Yeah, which is weird to have a band that's on Horror, Pain, Gore, Death and not on there. Mm. I guess. Well, here's something interesting. Uh, it's going to be a, w- a few weeks before this episode is uploaded. The listeners can go check now and see if they're up by then. Oh, yeah, see if someone yeah, beat wow. us. Mm-hmm. So there's members um, uh, There's members in other bands. In this band, um, A Warm Gun, Plague Wielder, Moloso, Mind as Prison. Well, here's the thing with Metallum. For several years, Buckshot Facelift was told that we were too 
this is quote unquote an email from some administrator that was on Metallum. <laughs> we were too much on the punk side of grindcore and not metal enough to be included. Amazing. And I told the guys in Buckshot to leave it alone. What Rick uh, Rick saw it as a point of contention where he wanted to be credited in the Metallum for it. I, to this day, regret that we're listed in Metallum because I like the distinction of being a band that was not listed in Metallum. That set us apart. Um, but I digress. We had a difference of opinions on that. But that's so. So maybe this band is too much on the hardcore punk end of grindcore for somebody in a basement somewhere in front of a computer. Maybe I don't know. Whoever these people are, I mean, they put good work out, but uh, not, you're not going to always get it right. So yeah. anyway, um, this is a cool little EP. Check it out, Crawler Boom. I want to point out one highlight on this that I'm not going to listen to now with you boys, but maybe you can listen to it. When you get a chance, the last song on this, it's eight minutes long. It's called The Conclusion. Great, like, grind, doom, epic piece with harmonica and violins making an appearance in there. And it sounds great. And usually, I'm not really drawn into that kind of stuff, but um, I, I think they did a really good job of keeping it raw while introducing those elements. So uh, go check out the last song on this. Start at the beginning. It's not that long. But uh, check it out. From Nederland, Colorado, uh, I'm here to talk to you about Velnius, uh, V-E-L-N-I-A-S, um, kind of a blackened, folkish, doom metal band, um, and you can check out uh, their song Supernal Emergent, uh, which is a new song from 2020 on the Eisenwald Records, Eisenwald official YouTube channel. Um, it was recently released, it's an advanced track from their uh, Scion of Aether album that's going to be out March 27th, uh, 2020 on CD, vinyl, and digital. That's Eisenwald Records. Uh, and this band is Velnius. Um, this is a band that allegedly at one point featured members of Blood Incantation. I don't know that anyone from Blood Incantation is involved now, but it's, uh, I guess, from that kind of common scene uh, that that is shared. Um with uh with with Colorado bands like Blood Incantation uh and this is really amazing music it really stood out to me and I actually although I'm friendly with Blood Incantation I know a lot of their side projects I had never heard this till today and I fell in love with the song and then did research and realized that there was some kind of overlaps um with uh, my buddies in Spectral Voice and Blood Incantation so I don't know that there's anyone on this recording from those bands but this is a band with a vast discography Dating back to 2006, a couple of full lengths, a couple of EPs and stuff to get into. I'm going to be checking it out, and I encourage the listeners to check it out too. But this is a good place to start. Really interesting, um, epic, uh, like melancholy, doom metal. The, uh, the, the, rec the production and the recording is very raw and organic sounding. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like a live band in a room. 
that plays really tight together. Uh, and there's just something about the the music that speaks to me almost of like, um, and I don't want to give the wrong perception here, uh, but uh, the, I don't want to give you the wrong idea, but it's it seems almost like jam bands or like blues bands that can improvise with each other very well. There's an intensity to this music uh, when they really jam out and, and come together on um, some of the more intense parts. Uh, that that it almost transcends uh, what we think of maybe as metal, uh, and and just goes back to maybe that raw rock and roll quality. I, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to give you the. It's not like a catchy band. It's not a band that has like tongue and cheek kind of rock elements. You know, it's just uh, a, a really pure musicianship that goes on here, and it kind of sounds like a bunch of guys in a in a room together, all playing music they know very well. Um, it's it's a it's a magical sounding band. Uh, and, and it sounds doesn't sound technical, doesn't sound like uh, oddly timed, but it just sounds intricate. It's it's many layers, but without Layered. being busy, though. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't doesn't sound too busy. It's nice. It's, yeah, it's yeah. airy. It has an airy quality to it. Yeah, really beautiful. I really enjoyed this, and um, I encourage the, list, the the listeners to check it out. While I, you know, I'm kind of on this Grey Skies Fallen tip lately where I'm getting more into doom metal because I enjoyed that Grey Skies Fallen album so much. And this was like the perfect thing for my ears right now. Um, not not too overproduced, not too, uh, not, you know, nothing that I would describe as maybe a little bit more like melodramatic or, you know, like, like too uh, played up too much. You know, this is just right there. Everything sits right there in the mix. I love it. So uh, this is... Um, can edit out that part where I forgot. This is uh, <laughs> Velnius. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but that'll fit with this episode. Uh, embarking on a huge uh, European tour this spring with a band called UADA, uh, Grift and Soulbrud. Uh, American Black Metal Tour Part 2, European Alliance 2020. Uh, so they're going to be hitting uh, all over Europe. You can check that out, man. Velnius from Colorado. Uh, their new album coming out March 27th on Eisenwald Records. Turning back the clock now, classic style. I thought I'd show you guys Mortified. Very short-lived Estonian death metal legends. The album Serenity, Tranquility, Peace. Self-released in 1993. Uh, this is their first and only full-length. Barring you know, a few demos released before this. Really groovy death thrash with uh with flashes of melodic elements man um, um the flange is off the meat rack yeah, get, get, i'll take all the flange i can get especially when it gets warmer out i uh, can't get enough flange uh you, there's a you can you can tell that they've uh, kind of taken some influence from uh a bit of the swedish metal style uh it's the dual guitar work going on and 
the more I listened to this record, the more I kind of came to this conclusion that this is, or the, the way they incorporate melody and and like the Swedish influence reminds me a lot of like New England metalcore in the early 2000s. My classic for the evening is Lobotomia, Portuguese for lobotomy. Uh, nada é como parece, or nothing is as it seems. This is their 1989 release on Cogamelo Records. It's a solid crossover thrash album. We don't really talk that much cross crossover on the podcast. Um, I just like the way this drives. I like the the dirtiness of the. The dirtiness of the guitars and just the way they push. The performance is solid. Um, this band didn't really last that long. They started off in Sao Paulo in 1984 and broke up right after this album, so about five years. Um, they reformed with only one original member in 2004, and they've been playing shows and they've released two albums since then. And they're, they're good, but it's just like a different animal now. Where uh, I, I wouldn't have anything bad to say about it, but this release is like. Um, a good kind of throwback to this Sao Paulo crossover scene, which I know there was a few other bands. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Hatos de, de Peron. It's Rats of the Basement in, in English. You know that band that I'm talking about? Yeah, ra- uh, Rateos. I'm going to say it wrong. I, I, I brought their album in that one time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know it translates. Why is this whole episode full of stuff that I can't pronounce? I don't know. And rats. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Rados is actually Hatos in Portuguese. I could have used that a few minutes ago. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. Would have been the one thing I pronounced uh, right this this episode. But anyway, um, yeah, this is they were from the similar scene in uh, Sao Paulo. Um, this is good. Just if you're in a thrashy kind of mood, kind of like... Um, Sacred Reiki. If you're in, the, if you're feeling that, I would almost crumb suckers. Yeah, Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just recommend checking this one out. This has been re-released in 2019. I forget the label, but yeah, solid, solid record right here. Lobotomia, nada e como parece. What does that mean? Nothing is as it seems. All right, just testing you. I, I knew that. Tonight I got Mountain with their Nantucket Sleigh Ride album from 1971, um, released on Windfall Records. 
uh, distributed by Bell Records, a division of Columbia Record, uh, Columbia Pictures Industries. I guess maybe that was before Columbia Records. This is uh, a vintage release. I got my physical copy here, flexing with the vinyl. Uh, purchased at uh, Record Reserve from our buddy Timmy. Quite the find. Did you get that recently, or is that one you picked up a while ago? Uh, three or four years ago I got this. I, I've had this. I've been had Mountain. Uh, classic <laughs> Long Island band. Mountain, uh, I should mention. And um, rest in peace to uh, bass player Felix Papalardi, uh, who was tragically uh, killed few years after the release of this album by his wife, allegedly. Uh, well, shit. it's it, he you know he was killed by his wife. I guess the uh, the allegation was she said it was an accident. Um, you can go research that case if you want. But uh, what's important here is the music. Uh, Mountain obviously continued and um, I think still plays to this day and has released a series of albums since their classic run uh, in the 70s with Felix Papalardi. And there's a lot of people who prefer the Felix Papalardi uh, era as he was... Um, uh, not only responsible for the bass and some of the vocals, but he produced a great deal of their work. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of people that also feel like Mountain is kind of like a precursor to heavy metal. Not quite your Judas Priest, not quite your Led Zeppelin, not quite your Black Sabbath. Uh, still very much rooted in, in your traditional blues rock. Uh, very inspired by Cream and Eric Clapton. Uh, but in these early recordings, uh, such as this Nantucket Sleigh Ride, uh, you hear elements of, of pre-metal uh, I, I might like to say especially in the guitars uh, not not of course to um, disparage Leslie West on guitar and vocals uh, or the drumming of Corky Lang um, this, this was just a classic combination that I feel was never really recaptured by Mountain uh, in these early recordings um, I'm trying to think of the right thing to say it's music that's been with me since i was a little kid i remember hearing these recordings uh my parents playing them in the car things like that um along with bands like fog hat uh the edgar winters group and like i said cream um maybe even older aerosmith and the rolling stones uh more blues-based hard rock that would go on to like inspire heavy metal in some ways but i think there's something special about mountain not just because they're a long island band uh, but there's, if you listen in certain tracks, um, uh, kind of a visionary metal quality, uh, almost a space metal quality that you get also in the band Iron Butterfly, who I'm a big fan of. Um, maybe it has to do with the combination of uh, early keyboards with um, kind of a pioneering like space, spacey guitars, psychedelic guitars. Uh, but there's just something about Mountain and, um, and also Iron Butterfly that I, I really love and I feel like predates a lot of metal music um, in, in aesthetic ways that you could uh, you could trace back. So I just wanted to recommend this uh, this uh, Mountain Nantucket Sleigh Ride album. Uh, if you're looking for something uh, more in the rock realm uh, that you could historically uh, trace to this extreme music that we love so much. So, uh, of course, rest in peace, uh, as always, to uh, the great Felix Papillardi. And uh, we're going to listen to Mountain and Tuck a Sleigh Ride, all right? Put on the black light posters. Uh, you know what I'm saying, man? Clear the air in here. It's getting a little, little smoky, allegedly. You know what I mean? Let's do it. Just a touch. Now, have we figured out what a Nantucket sleigh ride is? Is that a terrible <laughs> sex position? <laughs> I can only imagine. It was the early 70s. Uh, you know, I, I mean... Cocaine something? Obviously, this band uh, very famous for their appearance at Woodstock and their smash hit Mississippi Queen That's right. that most people would probably know them for. Really, I mean, you know, Mississippi Queen, if you can take the images of, like, beer commercials... 
out of your head and whatever else it's been used for. I mean, a, a really amazing recording. Uh, and, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and just gush over Mountain, but I, I really enjoy this band's work and the production, especially of the earlier material. A Nantucket sleigh ride is the dragging of a whaleboat by a harpooned whale while whaling. Oh. Wow. An archaic term from the uh, early days of industrial whaling. When That's that- super specific Long Island. Yeah. yeah. Super specific Long Island. Dragging of a whaleboat while harpooned... Wa- <laughs> dragging of a whaleboat by a harp... harp-, harp- <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Dragging of a whaleboat by a harpooned whale while whaling. Yeah, yeah. Whale while whaling. Long Island Island definitely has a brutal and extensive history uh, in the whaling industry. If you look back at the history of Long Island. So a whaler's like, oh, as I'm being dragged to my certain death, might as well... Well, this catchy name. <laughs> while the Nantucket sleigh ride is in progress, that death is not certain. It's kind of up well, in the air. I mean, it, you're, you, the, the little guy in the boat is almost in more danger at that point. Cut that rope, man. Yeah, we don't need candles that bad. They like this bass player a lot. What was his name again? Um, Felix um, Papalardi. Yeah. Well, he was the main. He was like the producer. He was kind of like the the main, like you know, visionary behind the band in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, the the, the guy Leslie West who kept the band going is a big guy too in the band. But but you have like a picture of the one guy, a picture of the guy, and then a picture of the two guys, Leslie West and Felix, the guitarist and bass player together. Because, like, they were the main engine of the band, you know? And the guy, Felix, was the producer. And then after he died, the one guitarist guy, he kept it going with various people, but, you know. Also, open that up again and look at the picture in it. Makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. Sick. There they are. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening to The Heavy Hole. Yes, uh, Tom, thank you for engineering The Heavy Hole. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, Always thank you to Tom. Thank you to Phil Tugas for uh, Skyping with us this evening, uh, answering some questions. Not all the questions we had, because um, we got to get him back for maybe a part two or three, because this guy's got a lot of music that he's participated in over the years. Yeah. Uh, really just scratched the service, but really interesting to listen to him talk to uh, us about growing up in the heavy metal community with his father and uncles in uh, DDT, highly recommended old school metal band from Canada. Um and all of his projects that he's got going on. We're going to be on the lookout for his uh, new work coming out this year, particularly with Funebrarum. We've got to reach out to them, too, uh, OGs in the Death Doom community. Um, and uh, we also, speaking of OGs, Mountain, you know what I'm saying? Come on. It's, it's pretty OG, man. Yeah, Long Island nice. in the building. Uh, you know, you guys brought some great music to the, uh, to the table, man. I appreciate that. Um, Justin, uh, we, we got to do our Metalcore episode. 
Yeah, it's it'll, it'll be the next one of the next subgenre marine dives. I, I think we need yeah. to. All right, we got to clear up a few things. All right, I you know the word metalcore has become a little bit of a pariah, if you ask me. A little bit of a scapegoat. It takes a lot of heat. I th- I don't think metalcore inherently is bad. I think that it's kind of like well, this OSDM thing to me too is like it's just saturated, and you almost don't know what it. It, it just means a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, names are difficult. You know, there in all these terrible name genres, there are talented, talented bands that like kind of transcend. And uh, and we we will wade through the garbage together. It's a lot of information to get under one heading. Yes. However, uh, one place where that does work out, a lot of information under one heading is heavyholepodcast.com. Yes, that's right. That's heavyholepodcast.com. That's right. And that's where you can go. Uh, all the links are there for your social medias. Uh, you got the heavyholepodcast.com uh, slash shop uh, where you can buy sticker packs. Is that allegedly promotion still on? Oh, we're still going. Promo code allegedly. 10% off. Uh, yeah, 10% off. Tell them you know Big Will. Um, That'll be the next promo code. Tell them you know. <laughs> working, I, I know Big Will. Yeah, so. <laughs> working on merch for the future. Uh, but that's what we got right now. Um, as always, too, if we, we want to hear from you, uh, we heard from Phil. All right, we want to hear from you. What's that number? Uh, that phone number is six three one eight three seven three two seven four. I was double checking that number to make sure you were correct on heavyholepodcast.com. What was that number? Oh Sorry. shit, six three one. Eight three seven three two seven four. You're both right. You guys are on point. That's why I like you guys. <laughs> Listen, hey, we like you too. Man. Yeah. Oh, oh. Let's not get sappy. Now. Yeah. Heavyholepodcast.com. Uh, Friendly hole. Yeah. Shout to Phil and all of his bands. We're gonna. We're still sorting out the list of this guy's bands and things he's participated in. Good guy. Uh, and shout to you, the listener. One. I can tell when-